Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. So let's go live now to Nerida Stewart. The Super Netball Grand Final is being played in Perth. West Coast Fever up against the Melbourne Vixens. And let's go to the coach of the Australian men's team. Nerida, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning, fellas. How are you on this fine, lovely, coastal, dreary day? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we're well. We're loving the uh, hockey action, the over-60s. Butes, uh, he's keen for a start in about, what, a decade? Yeah, yeah, 12 years I've got up my sleeve still. uh, But I I don't think I'll be moving as good as these guys. Front seat supporters, seat for that one, Butte, please. I'd really like that. That'd be great. Hey, uh, last time we spoke to you, you were on your way to Orange for the Country Rugby Championships. How did everything go? Um, it was it was a freezing cold weekend, as predicted. Um, but the under-14 Central Coast boys came away with the country win, which was great. Um, so that was my, my son Angus's team. So they fought for that. And then it's an interesting format that they have because they play the country championships for the first two days, and then based on where they fell in the you know final placing, they then go through and play for the New South Wales like championships, and they play all the city teams as well. So they ended up coming fourth in that placing, which is a fantastic achievement um, for mm. a coast team and a regional team. So it was it was a great weekend, very successful, but very very cold. Yeah, and you'd have some thoughts. Uh, we'll talk netball first, but I guess you'd have some thoughts as well on Wallabies versus England, which has been played. Uh, this weekend as well. In fact, in Perth as well. So the city will be pumping. But first, let's get to West Coast Fever versus the Vixens. Mm. And we probably should start the narrative with what a semi-final last week with the Giants going out in one of the greatest semis I think I've ever seen. What a game. I mean, the first half was like one quarter was Giants and one quarter was Vixens. And I think you went into halftime thinking what was going to happen. And I think it was a, a really great exhibition of two teams just fighting tooth and nail with everything they possibly had to get to that um, you know, final grand final spot. Big question over Vixens not having Kira Austin there for the game due to um, health protocols. So that was, I think, a bit of a loss for them. But in saying that, Ronnie Sanderson's really stepped up for them in the uh, two-point shot department. And for a girl who traditionally is a shooter, to pull out a goal attack game in a do-or-die uh, prelim final and come away with the win was exceptional for her. So uh, big props to Rani, I think. Yeah, that might take some time for the Giants to get over because there was an intercept, and I know who threw the pass, and it was in the final seconds, yeah. and it looked like, looked like the Giants looked like the Giants would get the job done. Uh, Vixens, they've been the best side all year, the minor premiers, but, wow, you've got to think, and I spoke to Kimberly Green on a podcast this week, who played over 70 tests for Australia. She's tipping West Coast to break the drought. Is it a couple of decades since West Coast have won a championship? Yeah, it has, it's been a while. They came out really strong when the competition first started, but I think they sort of had a bit of a quiet period in the middle. And, you know, there's always that talk of rebuild and, and finding that real connection with your team to find that, you know, premier winning team. Um, and I think Dan Ryan's come in, really shaken things up a little bit given a new culture to the group, a new energy, and it's 
the team seem to be really responding to that. So, you, you know, he's a spectacle to watch him himself, Dan, on the sideline, and he's just so energetic and brings something really different. So whether that's what's triggered... Because primarily the team's pretty much the same. So I think energy's probably done it. Maybe it's just also it's just the right time for them. They've built over mm. the last few years, and it's just a really good timing for them to come away and, and, and take, the, take the big trophy. And I probably will sit with Kim on that. I think... I think they're the team to, to beat. And in my personal opinion, I think Giants were probably the team that would have beaten them. Um, I'd love to see Dixon come out and, and give another performance like they did last week with the addition of Kira Austin. Um, I hope Simone starts to use Rani a little bit more strategically. Uh, I think when they, they played Perth the first time, Rani only came on in the last five minutes of the, the last quarter to sort of nail those super shots and... She's really lethal at that point. So I think if they can sort of access her for the back five minutes of every quarter, they might actually stay in the game a little bit. So I would agree with Kim. I think Perth will do, do the job, but it's going to be a great game to watch. Butes, let's go back to Nerida Stewart, coach of the Australian yeah. men's netball team. Grand final weekend, West Coast Fever up against the Melbourne Vixens, the minor premiers. You want to talk about some of the superstars before you mention probably the key player in the entire match. Mm. Um, yeah, like uh, she's a superstar goal shooter. She's virtually unstoppable, and you want to say a few more words about it? Yeah, like six-time MVP Janelle Fowler, we're referring to the goal shooter for Fever. How do you stop her, uh, Nerida? How does that happen? What do they got to do to uh, minimise her involvement uh, and the number of goals she'll score throughout the throughout the game? Look, I think it comes back to that whole strategy of you know you've got ten minutes of a quarter where it's, it's your traditional netball. Um, format, which is that one-point game. So this is where Vixens really need to sort of hone in and, and get ahead in those spaces. Um, I think it comes down to breaking the ball through the midcourt. Once it gets circle edge for someone like Janelle, there's no way you're going to stop it. it. It's going in, they're getting a point, you're conceding it basically. So I think the game shifts through that midcourt space, and I think that comes down to the sort of game that you know our Australian captain and Vixens captain... Um, sorry, Kate Maloney's the, the Vixen captain, but Liz Watson and Kate Maloney and Kate Eddy, that, that combination through the midcourt for Vixens who have experience, who have, you know, the capability to shut down a midcourt of a Jess Anstis, Verity Simmons, you know, Alice Teague-Neal. I think they've got the strength there. So Vixens need to capitalise on that during that, that first 10-minute format. And then it comes down to, you know, your last five minutes of the game and and for me, this is where seeing Simone inject someone like Rani into the into the game. I think Vixens are a lot stronger in that two-point range than the Fever are. So the Fever have got Sasha Glasgow, but she's not as consistent with that performance as a Rani or a Kira. So I think if they can punch ahead and keep it even, even if it's a one, a goal-for-goal goal space in that first ten, that last five is going to be the telling story for the, for the final outcome of the game, I think. Yeah, I mentioned about the uh, podcast I've done with Kimberly Green, and she named her best seven. She actually found it quite agonising to talk about, actually, but um, because it was so difficult. No surprise, she named Liz Ellis in that group, and she also named Catherine Cox. So two players that she played plenty of netball with. One name that I found really surprising, so she could have named Susan Prattley uh, or Nat Medhurst. She named Liz Watson in her best seven. And Liz Watson will see her this weekend, won't we? Yeah, Liz, Liz is our current uh, Diamonds captain um, and part of the midcourt. Probably will be in the wing attack, I would suggest, for the Vixens. 
Um, she's just a really cruisy player. She does a job. She accesses circle really well. Her vision down court is sensational. And she's very calm in those really, really sort of um, intense moments. So I think someone who has the longevity that, that um, Liz has had um, is something that brings a really special, I suppose, accolade to her in that um, she could sit in that top seven. Absolutely. I think there's a big push for me. If we're talking the top seven, I'd have to throw in a <laughs> Carissa Toms or a, a Simone McInnes in that top seven there. But, um, look, I think she's, she's definitely up there for me. But, I, geez, that's an interesting... Never sat down and done what my top seven would look like. So yeah, maybe I need yeah, to she, make some space in my day for that. <laughs> yeah, she found it really difficult because I put her on the spot. And, you know, I think there's a lot to come out of that podcast with Kimberly Green. So she plays 74 tests, but at the age of 16, and I'd like to hear your story as well. At 16, she plays in a rep netball team at schoolgirl level, I think Catholic schools, with Julie Fitzgerald's daughter. So around that time, Kimberly's looking at being a hurdler. She loved track and field. She was also playing basketball. But suddenly, Julie Fitzgerald must have seen her, spotted something, and she's invited to the Sydney Swifts, the Sydney Swifts training session before they become the New South Wales Swifts, as just a number at training. A couple of weeks later, she's offered a contract at $50 a week. Like, it's just remarkable. And she goes on to be a superstar of the game. Well, what are you, firstly, what are your thoughts about that story? And then tell us how Julie spotted you. My thoughts first up are, why wasn't I given 50 bucks a week when I... <laughs> 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 that, that would have been great. <laughs> that, that's petrol, petrol in the car. Um, yeah. So, look, oh, Kim Green was one of, those, one of those kids when she came through that was just, you know, a star in the making from the word go. So it doesn't surprise me that Julie recognised that and wanted to get her, you know, advanced along that pathway as quickly as she possibly could. So just a, a lovely girl, but a formidable athlete. And I mean, she'd be punching that top seven too at some point. So, um, But for me, I think, look, Julie, I, I was one of those junior players that never made it through to reps in junior reps. I was always the last person cut out of that team to go off to state champs. And, um, you know, I hung around for the, for the long haul and... Then Julie saw me in the under-17s. I finally made the under-17s to Hills District, and she'd seen me at state champs and sort of said, who's this girl? Where has she been? And um, then sort of came over to me and, and said, um, I want to keep an eye on you. And she picked me in the New South Wales under-19s team that she was coaching. And then after that, I'd spent a year at the AAS in Canberra, and she got a, got a hook into me straight away and said, you won't be playing to Hills anymore. You're coming across to play. <laughs> So that was sort of the uh, the story of our coach-player relationship. So she does keep her eye on the prize. She's always hovering around seeing what's coming up next. So yeah, just, as, just as very quickly, that, level should be. that period at the AIS, and that would have been the halcyon days of the Australian Institute of Sport. What about that experience? And Butte's another goal. Another goal. Timmy's done it again. Our man, he's two from two. He's on fire. Oh, wow. He is on fire. Tim he sounds on fire. like he's having a crack. Now, <laughs> hey, uh, I want to touch on you know what you spoke about there. It's amazing how you know, and again, you can talk to a lot of young kids about this. Hey, and, don't and forget, we got one minute. We got one minute, but you can talk to a lot of young kids about this. But it depends on the coach and what they see in the player. So it's not about it's not a reflection on you as a player, but it might necessarily be what the coach sees or doesn't see in you that leads to selections. Oh, look, I, I talk to my athletes all the time about perception. <laughs> Like, everyone has a completely different perception. I might see a player that I select for a 
you know, a, a, an Australian men's team, but someone that hasn't really rated for their state open men's team. And I yep. see something completely different in that player that I want to work with and I think has potential. So, yeah, I think it's really important for people not to give up. And I think that's also why it's important for people to expose themselves to a variety of coaches and a variety yes. of coaching styles. I think yeah. that's really important. So, awesome um, job, yeah, Nerida. Uh, we... We're, we're off to the news, so unfortunately I need to wrap this up. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and best wishes. Thanks, fellas. Have a good weekend and go the Vixens. I'm going to go the underdogs.